If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of California Underground. I have with me tonight the congressional candidate for the California 6th Congressional District. I always had way too many congressionals in that. Tamika Hamilton, good friend of the show. Welcome back, Tamika. Congratulations on your primary win. You're headed to the general. So I imagine you're, you're kicking back and you're just uh, relaxing now with your primary win, right? That's how it works? No, I, that's so funny. I think if you even say break or like time off, like I feel like I'm going to be getting in trouble. But no, no, there's no break. But first, thank you so much for having me back. Hi, Cynthia. Um, I just, I, you know, feel we've known each other for some time now, and I just really appreciate uh, your show. I, it's amazing to see how much it's grown, and um, I'm just like, I'm just like hyped to be here. Even though, you know, I don't like, uh, I don't like getting on camera, but I do what I have to do. No, I said you'll you'll do great, and then I I put the pressure on you and said a whole bunch of people were looking forward to this. So right before we went live, you were like, oh my gosh, now there's people looking forward to this. But I- you'll do great. I, I rarely check the comments, so I was just like, I'm not going to look. I, You know, I, I've been in the military for 20 years. All I know is work. And so, you know, it's um, even though I've done a million interviews, uh, it's always like that little like uneasy feeling because it's like, I just want to work. Do people really want to hear me? Hear, you know, hear what I have to say. I just want to work for people. Well, yeah, I think people do want to hear you. People already <laughs> said they were very excited for you. Um so what will happen to your primary race, Cynthia? Welcome back. How are you doing as well? I'm doing great. Um, when Phil told me the lineup, I was like, oh, my gosh, one of my favorite people is going to be on next week. So I was super excited. We're glad to have you on. And uh, the comment section, there's already people that are happy that you're here, too. So. Oh, there's like comments like there's like people talking right now. Oh, yeah, this is this is live on YouTube. People oh, okay, are commenting cool. and chatting. So. We'll get we'll let people start asking questions and we'll get to okay. questions in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, let's start with your primary win. Congratulations. And how does it feel to get through to the next step and head to the general election against your opponent? Ami. What's his Ami, name? Ami Berra. Ami Berra. Ami Berra. OK. Yeah. yeah so running against Ami Berra. Uh, it's so, you know, uh, just kind of like a recap. Uh, this is my second round and uh, we were running against, you know, in here in California, you have a jungle primary and we had five other Republicans in addition to two Democrats in the race. And Ami Bear and I um, have advanced to November. To November. Uh, I have roughly, I've, I've, the election's not certified yet, so there's still um, ballots that are being counted. Um but right now we have roughly 20% of the vote, which is really, really good, um, considering we had uh, a split between five other Republicans. And um, and so we're just uh, right now it's all about the ground game and, you know, and just, you know, thanking the donors and connecting with the people that supported us, the volunteers and letting them know that it's the, the, the it's it's game time. It's showtime. And we have to just push till November. So let's let's talk about that. You talk about uh, ground game and we you and I have talked a lot about this in terms of the reality of running a successful campaign is it's not social media. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the social media and they say, oh, I have 100,000 followers. Why don't I have more people? But you're always preaching 
you still have to win elections on the ground. You still have to do mailers. You still have to do those classic election things to win. Um, so talk about that and how that led to your primary victory this time. Yeah. So, um, like you said, I, I, I've preached it for the past, you know, two sex where you're talking about like almost three years about, you know, you could have a ton of social media followers, but if you're not working the ground, meaning that you are not, you have to be connected with your local party. Uh, last cycle, I had eight counties that I had to connect with. And this time I only have one Sacramento County. And I'm really connected with my central committee. And I'm also really connected with the community as a whole, like meeting uh, support of city council members, support of uh, school board members as well. And um, and I keep telling people, you have to know your local business owners and so that they can help get the word out and they can host fundraisers for you and they can, you know, connect people to you that you might not have met before. Um, the other thing is having a strong team. You know, um, I think that one of the things that I, that I, you know, it makes me sad sometimes is that people think that like when they, they've glamorized running for office so much. So in the past couple of years that they're for, they don't know what it's, what a real team looks like. And then they're confused when their favorite person doesn't advance um, because they're like, well, I saw the pictures and it's like, the pictures are not telling the full story. You know, um, I'm on the phone 30 hours a week or more making phone calls. I, I like, I'll show you this. Like, you know, you have to connect with donors. So like, this is like, I can't show you the names, but this is just one stack for today of people that I had to call in order to say, hey, I need support. We won the race. You know, let's, let, we're moving on to general election. I need your financial support. Um, there's, uh, so you have to make phone calls. You have to have a fundraiser. You have to have DC fundraisers. You have to have a digital team. You have to have, uh, you know, someone to help with uh, with your communication. Um, when you see those emails, those emails aren't free. Um, when you see those text messages, those text messages, text messages aren't free. So all of that goes back to support from a financial aspect. Again, if you don't have those components, you're not going to be successful. And, you know, I just uh, I, I want to educate people because I know there's a lot of people that want to run, but they don't know all the ins and outs. And then they also don't. And if you don't know and you get into it and you're kind of like. Uh, it's kind of overwhelming. And you're like, I don't know if I will be able to do this. And so that's where the education piece comes in for me. Cause it's like, I never want people to just blindly think that you're running for office and it's like this cute thing. No, it's grunt work. Um, you know, between making calls, I have children, my husband's a cop and I'm walking, you know, you have to have a walk program. You have to have a data consultant and all of that costs. And it's, um, and it's something where I think it's important for the public to know, uh, that not only are you a candidate, you want to run, but you have a you have a machine behind you. We're running like we're already in office. We have a team like we're already in Congress. That's important. That um, I mean, the professional. I don't. I'm trying to say professionality. That's not a word. The professionalism of your campaign is always something to be admired. And the way that I see other candidates. And to me, you're sort of like the bar of how I know other candidates aren't the real deal. So mm -hmm. I can see other congressional candidates who are running and I see, OK, they don't have a ground game. They don't have mailers and they're not doing this. Basically, I'm like, what does Tamika do? You're not doing this stuff to win. Therefore, I'm not taking you seriously as a congressional candidate. Um, but this isn't your first time running. You ran before and you got very close. 
and you made some really good ground. I think you opened up a, a lot of eyes. I'm sure you learned stuff from the last race that you're probably implementing this time around. Um, if so, is there anything new you learned from last time that you're doing this time um, in this campaign? Um, a lot of what I learned is more personal growth, to be honest. Um, a lot of personal growth. You know, I, um, I, I'll tell you one thing that, you know, that I, that's kind of sticks out to me right now, just thinking about it. It's like when I came into, so mind you, I don't have like some sexy story. You know, I didn't come from the Democrat Party over to the Republican Party. It wasn't ever anything like that. And so that was a shock to people. And, um, and so I had to like really navigate um, people's ideas of, of, you know, being black, being a mom, being a woman and, and uh, navigate around those feelings. I mean, I think I did that. I, I think I tiptoed around that too much. And because, you know, it's like, you know, it's new for a lot of people, you know, um, at least for, for where I'm at in this region. And um, the other thing is that, and, and you just got to just do you like, you know, I'm not going to change for anyone. You know, uh, it's one thing to grow and to like be better, but like who I am, my personality, not loving the spotlight. I kind of just want to, you know, work hard and do my thing. I understand, you know, I got to get in front of the camera and I got to talk every once in a while and that's fine. Um, but it's not my favorite thing to do. Um, but, uh, and like I mentioned earlier that taking the select, I want to take the celebrity out of, of being, uh, being in Congress because we need people that are going to work. And, mm. um, and we need people that are going to inform and empower people. And I think that's like one of the biggest things that I learned as a candidate and as a, just a person, it's like, my job is to inform you and I'm not going, and, it, and even if it's not like something that you want to hear or it's not sexy, it's, and you need to know, like, it's not always like the rah, rah, it's what do I need to learn from my, what do I, what the information do I need to tell the people so they can be empowered to make informed decisions on, on their voting, who they are, um, or, you know, uh, different initiatives they want to support. So it's just like, I had to really just be like, you know what, I understand that they've been used to a certain thing, but it's okay for me to be this way. And, and, and I'm so glad that I stayed myself, if that makes mm -hmm. any sense. Um, and then the last thing, uh, and I'm sorry, I sound like I'm rambling a little bit, just like I'm thinking about a couple of things at the same time. It's like I came to this thinking I was in some well-oiled machine, kind of like being in the military. And it is not like that at all. Uh, and um, and I learned that literally day one. And so what I took, what I've been growing from, uh, growing into is like, okay, this is not a well-oiled machine. How am I going to make it better? I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm not going to say it's like this and so I can't be successful and just literally take it, you know, what is it, the bull by the horns and, and fight for this thing. And so, you know, I came with zero dollars in my, in my, in my account to raising almost 2 million total from the last cycle to this cycle, because I just didn't give up. And I just hope that what we've done um, inspires people to say, I know what's, I know what I see, but it doesn't have to be that way forever. Yeah. And, um, I had a thought and, and it kind of escaped me if, uh, Cynthia, if you have any questions, if you want to hop in for a second. Yeah. So basically what I appreciate most about like to me is that you keep it real, right? Like, I think that, um, people, I appreciate how you want to be that source where you inform people and you educate people about what it takes to run for office, because you're absolutely right. Um, I've been on the background as far as being a campaign staffers and it's, 
not beautiful at all. Like you're like, I, don't, I mean, I don't advocate people like, you know, like impact your health at all, but you're basically you're, you're grinding. It's, you know, especially if you're someone like myself who works full time too, and then you're helping with campaigns. It is a lot. And I think if people, you know, understand what it takes to win, they will understand and realize that it's not what people think. Um, and I appreciate how you take that time to educate people on doing that. Um, what, like, as far as like peer to peer, um, when you're on the ground, like, I feel like, like when people do polls on like what voters care about, in my personal opinion, from my experience, I think it's different. Like when people do these polls on social media and then when you're actually doing peer to peer contact, like door knocking and then doing phone calls, I feel like the disconnect is there. What would you say are the issues that? Let's just say for your district in particular, as we want to highlight your race, what are the things that the voters in your district care about, like in contrast to what you think maybe people online, like on Instagram, might think? Um, I think that uh, people, well, uh, let me answer your question, the first part of your question. So here in District 6, people care about those brown, uh, those kitchen table issues. You know, here in California, $118,000 does not make it. You know, uh, people are robbing Peter to pay Paul and uh, they can't put gas in their car. They can't put food on the table and it, or it's difficult for them to put food on the table. They're trying to figure out how to uh, what what, you know, bills can they put off so that they can put gas in their car. You know, child care. There was just an article I read the other day about child care, um, which is something that um, people hit me up on. Republicans actually hit me up on, you know, like there's child there's a child care shortage here in California. And, and I'm pretty sure it's happening across the nation, but the emphasis was here in California. And so, and th and that's expensive. And so can you imagine trying to work a full-time job? You can't find childcare. People, some businesses are still dealing with COVID restrictions or, you know, different things surrounding that. And you're hit with soaring crime, high uh, gas prices, and then the, the rising cost of food. I mean, these are the issues that people care about. These are issues that everyone cares about. And um, and then and here in District Six, it's like you have a Democrat that's trying to fashion himself as a moderate, dem as a moderate, when he's voted progressive a hundred thousand percent of the way. And people are tired. You know, California is controlled by Democrats, and and I and that's not like and and that's something that really a lot of people don't understand. It's they don't understand the supermajority, and I've had to break that down to people when I go door to door when they want to complain about policy, and they're like, "Oh my God, I didn't even know." In addition to never seeing a Democrat knock on their door before, a Republican never knock on their door before, and they're like, "I thought that Republicans were stopping this and and they were stopping progress," and I'm like, "No, it's actually the people that are have taken over the state, and it's not Republicans," and so um. And there was the second part of your question for the social media part. Um, freedom means something different to everybody. And I think that when here in California, you need Democrat votes in order to win. That's just the reality of it. I'm in a purple district. 29% of this district is Republic, is a pro-Republican vote. And it was the same way when I got 46% in 2020. And so when I talk about freedom, to Democrats, it's economic freedom. It's being able to take your child to a, whatever school you want to take them to because they don't like the education system here. So freedom means something different to them than it does to Republicans when you're thinking from a social media standpoint. You know, we hear a lot about 1776 and Second Amendment rights and Constitution, this, that, and the third. And it's like, they're not thinking about that. They're like, 
my kids go to a crappy school. Um, the food is too expensive. I, you know, I have to get on WIC. That's not freedom for them. And so mm-hmm. that's that's the way that I that's the way that I'm able to message um, to them what it really means to be free and what economic freedom looks like and what freedom to choose your child's own school looks like. And and they're like, oh, okay. And it's and it's just and it literally opens up their eyes to being open to voting for me. I finally I remembered what my thought was and it escaped me because I I was hearing distractions outside my door that I needed to close. Um, That's right. You had mentioned celebrities and, and this feeling of, of being a celebrity. And I feel like that's so prevalent now with a lot of candidates where they're they're engrossed in this idea of I just want to be a celebrity. I just want to be even if I don't win, I can at least maybe I'll be a celebrity and I'll, I'll show up on Newsmax or I'll show up on Tucker Carlson or something like that's their goal. Mm. And I the problem is, I think, in a lot of Republican races is that celebrity obsession changes how they campaign, especially here in California, where they're only campaigning to a very small minority of a party that's already a small minority, if you know what I'm talking about. You have a party that's only 25% of the overall registered voters, and then you have these wannabe celebrity candidates who then cater or pander to 5% of that 25%. And that's just not the way to win here in California. I think you, 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 you can't just talk to that one 5%, that little minority of the voters. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you see a lot of that with your opponents in this race of candidates who are mostly just talking about those hot button red meat issues that only the small minority or small amount of Republicans really grab onto. Uh, yeah, totally, totally. I think and you know, for me, uh, you know, one of my biggest criticisms is that, you know, I talk about both sides or um or you're too nuanced. It's like, no, I've been in the military twenty years and lived a life like most of us have lived. And we live in a world where both both worlds exist and we're uh navigating through it. Uh it shouldn't be a surprise that you have it we should not be shocked when someone wants to represent all people yes and i'm but i'm coming from a conservative side for sure but at the end of the day it's i'm not just representing republicans i'm representing democrats and if we want to run races here in california what draws them out is one meeting them where they are because one they haven't seen us and then people will argue that the the blame is on the party, you know, and and I always stress, and Cynthia, I think you've seen me say it plenty of times on on a Twitter, and you know, um, and when I've spoken in public before, it's like the party, we are the party. The Republican Party does not exist without the bodies, and if we're not involved, then we are the problem, and we're part of the problem. If you want to see change in D.C., if you want to see change in your local. GOP, state GOP, you have to be involved or you're going to get the same old same. They do not care unless you are part of the organization. It wants to be a part of volunteering, um, you know, uh, donating, uh, showing up to events. Uh, they need to see your presence. If not, you're going to get the same 10 people in the room like we see most of the time. And, and they probably don't represent you you know, any of your, any way you think or your values. And, and then you're going to be, and then you're going to complain every year, every cycle. 
And so I just encourage people that if they want change and if they truly want, because uh, we don't want to get rid of one side, just we don't want them to try to get rid of us, the Democrats, and we are not trying to get rid of them. We're trying to figure out a way to work together and, and create policy that truly represents the American people. And we're showing here in District 6 that I never bow to anything uh, that we see in the media associated with the Democrats, and I'm able to garner 46% of the vote. That's mm -hmm. That says something. That says something. And I, again, nothing about me changed. I just, I, I'm just not about the, I'm just not about the, you know, celebrity life or I don't even want to put like this big emphasis on it because then that, that'll become a thing. But just, you know, we got to have people that are more focused, more focused on meeting people where they are versus making videos and just talking about what's, you know, you know, how big and bad the Republicans are. And there, they could, there could be very much a red wave here in California if more volunteers were part of campaigns. Yeah, volunteers are crucial. And I think they come at people don't understand how much of a premium and, and how helpful volunteers are when it comes to campaigning. I mean, Cynthia knows firsthand. I know she tries to be on every campaign she possibly can be a part of. She's yeah. She must be living like a double life. She must be like Batman. She doesn't sleep or something, but oh she tries God. to be on on as many campaigns as possible. Um, but your point, I think, is interesting because last week we told you we had Angel McArdle on from the Libertarian Party, and we talked a, a lot about how they had this group called the Mises Caucus, okay. and they basically said, hey, we're fed up with the Libertarian Party. We're going to get involved, and they did. They got involved. They organized. They started taking over county parties. They started taking over state parties, and then before you knew it, they had. They are now a completely different Libertarian Party. Oh, wow. And in five years, which is is impressive, especially for a party that has millions of people who are a part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, the same thing could happen even here in California. You could organize enough people who then start to become part of the California GOP, whether it's on the county level and then at the state level. And you can make change and you can if you're yes. not happy with the way someone's running it, you can say, OK, we're going to get our people in there. But you have to do the work. You can't just sit yes. there and complain about it on social media. No, you can't. And, you know, like I said, and, you know, we go back to my campaign, we're just working on a strong. We're working towards a really strong ground game uh, because in order to win, because, uh, you know, people hinge a lot of things on money. And while I, I, I'm a big believer in you got to donate, you got to support because everything costs, like, for example, to send uh, 10,000 text messages costs $1,000. When you see those yard signs, 1,000 yard signs, um, I think it's around $700, something like that. I'll have to go back and look at my notes. Uh, when you see the four by eights, you know, those are expensive. And so when people say, oh, get your name out there, get your name out there, they're not taking into account that it all goes back to support. It all goes back to how who's supporting the campaign. Um, door knockers, you know, it, it's or you get you have to get paid walkers if you can't make up for it with uh, volunteers because volunteers, you know, sometimes the they'll they'll be hard charging and then they get tired, you know. But again, this this uh, I I'm trying to show that. If you work hard and, and actually get involved in the process, you do not need millions and millions of dollars to run to run and win a race. We did what we did in 2020 with four hundred thousand dollars, 46 percent, which has not been done in 15 years, with four hundred thousand dollars and all went into the ground.
you know, no crazy salaries for staff, none of that, no pretty office. I'm like, right now I'm in my, um, like I told you guys earlier, I'm in like my daughter's room in the, in the corner. <laughs> like that's my office. So I can make calls here and I can do my zooms here. Um, it's just like, it's in California in order for you to win, you have to get involved and we can win purple districts like this. If you, if you do the work, no commercials, you walking down the hall, the sidewalk and heels, none of that. No. I, look, you know what? I if, if it was, I think that those things are groundbreaking and it's time, but that doesn't work for California. Yeah. No, no marching around in red heels or walking through or South going, Compton. You're so stupid. I don't live in South Compton. <laughs> No, or um, or what's that? What's that one guy? He, oh gosh, what is it? He, the the Navy Seal. That oh, guy. the the Rhino Hunter. Oh my god! I was like, who? What is happening here? You know, it's just like that's it's that's not how it's going. That's that's not going to work here in California. Sorry. Yeah, we talked about that, and uh, it, it was interesting because it did disappear pretty quickly. Um, but they, they kind of picked it up and I posted it and the feedback was mostly everybody was like, this is ridiculous. Why would he do that? But that's a problem we're seeing in the, uh, uh that's the problem we're seeing right now in the Republican party is that you're seeing this fraying of like, well, if you're not a thousand percent MAGA, then you must be a rhino and we have to like expel you from the party. And that's a problem here in California because I don't think you can be a thousand percent MAGA unless you're in a solidly red, red district, which, you know, those are fewer and far between here in California. Well, I mean, here's the thing. MAGA is a slogan. You know, I, it's a slogan. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a believer. My husband's a police officer. He's working overtime right now so that I can do this full time. Um, I think that people need to shift their focus in saying, do we have the representation that truly reflects who we are in D.C. And we don't have that right now. Right now, uh, Joe Biden is um, giving us all the tools that we need to win midterm elections. And and honestly, to you know, giving us all the tools to keep our seats for a number of years uh, because people don't, you know, it's one thing to have inflation. We've had inflation before. We've had shutdowns in the past. We've had and none of those things are great. Um, but this is the first time in a long time in our adult history where it's been everything at one time and, and hitting us all at one time. And, and this is unprecedented. And this is something that we should be using. The ammunition that we have that they're giving us, it, it's, it's just like we could be unstoppable. But mm -hmm. we are trying to run purity tests, I think, in our party. Um, and, and it's like, and it's hurting us. You know, I'm not saying that there aren't bad people. There's bad people in every everywhere, right? Um, but at the end of the day, uh, this is the time to unite and you can't stop people from running. It's time for us to come together and and win some races for our country. We can't say 1776 and founding father that and you know, and all the quotes and then stop at social media and not go walk for candidates, not go hmm. uh, it just because Democrats, even though they're wrong, they're still working. And because people see them, they're going to still vote for them because they are present. You know, and 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 right now people saying, well, the Democrats are, you know, Democrats are walking away. Minorities are walking away. They're just not going to vote. And that's something that you and I talked about a couple of days ago. Eighty percent. If we we did not have the turnout that. So hold on, let me back up. In 2020, we had an 80 percent turnout. 80% Republican turnout here in California. 
Now, 2020 was not as bad as it is today. And today, June 7th, or was it June 7th, the, the election, the primary election, we had 30% Republican turnout. That's shameful. Mm-hmm. Every, all the things that we've been through, all the things that they took our children through, through these vaccine mandates, through uh, trying to take a second amendment rights away, uh, the soaring crime, the highest homeless in the nation, the highest veteran homeless population in the nation, how they've tried to uh, try to, um, and we've recalled DAs, Democrat re- DAs. We haven't, but this, you know, this, all these things that have happened in the past two years, and we only had thirty percent turnout. That's yeah. that's that. It, it, I'm like, you guys aren't tired. You can't be tired. You can't be mad. So yeah, you know. So I'll shut up. But go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I, and you're not going to get a red wave by having low voter turnout. I think everyone just kind of expects that it will just the red wave will just happen. But you did touch upon Second Amendment rights. And there is a voter in the chat who had a question for you. Um, they're in your district. Hey, Tamika, I live in the sixth district and I'd love to hear what your stance on red flag laws and what you will do to fight back against Congress's push for those implementations. So. Okay. Oh, that's so cool that it comes up like that. Like, I, maybe I'm sure we're, we're I'm, professionals here. Like, I've been doing this enough. This is episode 155. I think I've, I've almost got it together at this point. Okay. okay. Now this is like amazing. Like you can, you just like run my whole, all of my social media now. Okay. Let me no. Ask. <laughs> no? I, I have hard enough running my social media. <laughs> no, you don't want to, you don't want to see the emails that I get. Um, Cynthia, I think Cynthia is missing a campaign. She has extra time. She's only working on like five <laughs> campaigns right now. So she could probably pick it up. Cynthia's trying to go with me to DC. She's low key trying to go to DC. That's what she's trying to do. <laughs> and she's going to have to do the show from DC. That's going to be a weird time change for her. Oh, oh look, look at you, Phil. So let me, uh, let me ask. Uh, it was King's fan, right? King's fan. Kings fan, yeah. Okay, yes. hi, Kings fan. Thank you for your question. Uh, so I am against red flag laws, and um, and you have my uh, word that I will be pushing back anything like that that would try to come across my desk for me to vote on. So I hope that answers your question. And yeah. straight you know, to I'm the point, the, we love it. <laughs> I, I'm in the military too, and you know, um, that's like a that's like you gotta like that's a. It's near and dear to me because you have military members that um, we talk about it often and um, and you don't want someone to say, oh, I, you know, thought I saw this or that or just make a complaint. And then, boom, you have a situation where there was not. And it's like it's um, and a lot of military members are concerned about that, especially when you're talking about, you know, PTSD and things of that nature. And so um, so I do not support red flag laws. And, um, and, you know, it's, I'm just clear. I, I don't have a lot of fluff with it. Sorry. It's just, I don't support it and I'll do everything I can to push back if it comes across my desk. That's a perfect, straightforward, non-political answer. It's just, I don't <laughs> like it and I'm not going to support it and I'll vote down anything that has to do with it. You also just got a comp- compliment. So I want to post this as well. If it'll show up says, I think Tamika is the most optimistic person about everything, and I love it. Oh, hello, Camille Williams. How are you? <laughs> so a good friend of the show. She just wanted to let you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I, we were talking about red flag laws and the Second Amendment. Obviously, you're a Second Amendment friendly household, I'm assuming, with you being in the military and your husband being a police officer. Yes. So 
Are you excited about the the ruling today and step forward for Second Amendment rights? Oh, my gosh. Clarence Thomas, like, I was like, when I read, like, I saw your thing, I got chills. I got chills. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, someone actually, like, it just, you know, and every, all the hate that he's been getting lately has just been, it's just, it's so shameful. And, um, and so to read that and I love how he's not backing down and, you know, I'm just ready for Roe versus Wade. I'm like, okay, boom, that's over. Now let's go to this. Like, let's go. So, and we got to keep them in our prayers because you see that what's happening, they're going to their homes. They're trying to, um, what's it called? Uh, doc, is it, is it not dox them? Doxing. Yeah, doxing. And I mean, you know, this, you know, I just, uh, it's, it's one of those things where these are things that I, that I haven't dealt with people coming to my house, but I can, you know, test to the phone calls and the emails. I can't imagine what they're feeling because they have the whole weight of the country on them. And so today was a really, really good day for second amendment rights in our constitution. And, uh, and I'm just really looking forward to what, um, you know, Roe versus Wade, uh, in the next, um, coming days. Yeah. The next coming days. Now, when you go to Congress, I like to always talk to you and say in the positive, like, you know, put it yes. out in the universe. When you go to Congress and when you go to D.C., you're going to the belly of the beast. You're going to be in the middle of a lot of this uh, high pressure. And you see it now with the mobs. It's become like more frequent in terms of this. It's not so much protesting. Now it's become like mobs pressuring politicians and even Supreme Court justices uh one i guess the first part of my question is obviously you've been in the military i think you could probably stare them down but how do you feel about that re- regards to you and your family's safety and also do you see this as a rising problem in our national politics where it seems to be mob rule where it's just we don't like what you're doing so we're going to protest and throw our temper tantrums and force politicians to back down out of fear for retribution and violence what do you think about that uh, a couple of things, you know, I've dealt with my own set of harassment over the past couple of years, you know, and I, all I can tell you is that, you know, when people are incentivized to do it, you know, like we saw in 2020 where, you know, we had a really hot summer, um, not in a good way, uh, where, you know, we saw people across the country going to burn down neighborhoods that they didn't live in. And we're wondering how those people get there. And um, it's almost become like attractive, like almost like celebrity, you know, like, you know, we're going to make a ruckus and or worse than a ruckus. We're going to cause some drama and get some press. And so, um, you know, sometimes my approach is that a lot of people don't understand. is like it to ignore people. You know, when people have attacked me, I ignore them, you know, and because at the end of the day, you don't matter. You can't let the nobodies win. And when I say nobodies, like. I mean, if you are, if you truly care about this country, if you truly want change, then you are going to be constructive in how you approach that. And it's not, and I'm all for people uh, expressing themselves and wanting to protest and, you know, wanting to, you know, speak out of things that they don't agree with, but it's all in the way that you do it. And um, we've had, um, and we've had protests that have made tremendous change. The civil rights movement is like, I mean, the express definition of what you can do peacefully in order to make the right changes for our country to move forward. And so, um, and that element of class and, and, 
civil mindedness is lost in what I see currently. And, um, and I'm not going to give into it. I haven't got, I haven't given into it. And there's been plenty of times where I wanted to say things, especially when they come, come after my children. But, you know, um, I, I, we have to rise above it. I don't give a lot. I don't, I don't give into the noise and I just move on. I'm sure it bothers me sometimes, um, because it's like, if you know me, you would like me, right? <laughs> At least I think so. Um, but when it comes to being a legislator, it's, you know, I, you can't please everybody and you're going to have people that will not like you just for the simple fact that I have an R beside my name. And then on top of that, I'm a black woman with an R beside my name. And so, um, but we're prepared for that. Like I said, we dealt with that, um, over the past couple of years, including my husband, who's a police officer, uh, you know, um, people calling his job and, you know, trying to get him in trouble. Never met him a day in his life, but he's married to a Republican black woman. So he must be terrible. And he's a cop. Um, but we've, we've always rose above and we'll continue to do that. And even in Congress, we're going to show that, you know, this is what it looks like not to give in. You just have to keep on going. You have to keep pressing through. So I got another, uh, compliment here for you. So I said, I'm just outside of her district, district seven, but I hope she wins. I've been following her IG for a while. I love her posts of her family shows how real she is and they don't seem like fake pics. So, oh. See, I told you right before we got on, I said a lot of people were looking forward to this podcast and this interview. So a lot of people showing their love for you. That's so sweet. Uh, so kind of shifting gears a little bit. I know we talked like a little bit about like the campaigning side, but I think this is the one thing that I would love for you to just kind of put to rest. I feel like there's this big misconception from the campaign side. People think like the RNC, like the California Republican Party, they're here to come and save you. That's not how it works. Um, I know you are endorsed by the California Republican Party, and that's great. Um, like, what what is your message to people that think that, like, they always blame the party and it's always this and that? What, what would be your message as far as, you know, motivating people to kind of be the change they wish to see in the party? And, like, how exactly do these apparatuses, how exactly do they help candidates? Yeah, so... Um... Again, a couple of things uh, you both know because you're part of the party, which I applaud, um, is that there's rules for this and not like, you know, some secret, you know, society type stuff, but literally rules to this. And so when I when you receive in order to receive the endorsement of the Republican Party, it's a vote and you have to and you have to go through the process. You have to get vetted. And, um, you know, in California, in order for you to get the California GOP endorsement, the first step is to get the endorsement of your local party. And, um, and you know, Cynthia, you have to get over 80%. Um, in this situation, I only have one county uh, that has a central committee. And so I got 100% of the vote. And so, and then I went on and I asked for the support of the, the California GOP and uh, they did a vote. And then the, the executive board voted for me as well. Uh, so you know, and that's just something that a lot of people don't know. Like, this is why it's so important for people to get involved because they would be a part of uh, endorsing their candidate or the candidate, you know, the candidate of their choice for office. I mean, to run for office. And and again, it doesn't stop other people from running, but this is the person that the, that is supported by the local and state GOP. And also the state GOP can say, hey, uh, we don't want to endorse in a race. You know, it, that's also happened at a local level because, for whatever reason, and different personalities, different set of circumstances. Um, and when you say the RNC help, you know, we cannot wait for the RNC to do anything. 
it, it just you just can't. It, and if and if, and even if the RNC doesn't help, does that it does not mean that the candidate isn't worthy. And I've heard that a couple of times over the years, like, oh, if the RNC is coming, then that means that it's a it's a wash. It's like, no, there's actual like you have to think that there's actual there's so many seats across the nation, and not every seat's going to get picked for financial support. But what the party, the state party, can do is that when you are endorsed and before the mid, like before the primary, you're going to get a newsletter sent out with your face on, along with other endorsed candidates. Um, there might be some phone banking, uh, you know, that that they help with um, because they have so many different services going, you know, in the state. Um, but that's really the extent of it. Um, everything goes back to the candidate. You know, it's like is if the candidate is uh and so i did not get any financial support from the rnc or the california gop they never put any money into my race and we got that far without the support the financial support of the party and just putting my picture on their social media does not gain any financial support either you know mm -hmm. so and so um i hope that helps people understand why i say please donate to the campaign go to vote to mika.org go and donate $20 and become a monthly donor for $20 until November, because all of that goes back into the ground. And then you have people that would say, oh, it's so much um, money in politics. I wish it was. And it's like, how are people going to reach people? You know, like there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of voters in a district and we just need a fraction of them to vote. And so we have to reach them and mail costs money. And it's not like the mail, you know, the post office is like, you know, price gouging us. It's a cost what it costs, you know? Um, and so it's it's all the things that you don't think about are major factors in, in winning a congressional seat or any seat for that matter. Speaking of that, how big is your district? Like how many voters would you be representing? Um, so roughly, I think around 400,000. Um, there's potential for more, um, but to get right, you know, but you have to register people to vote. And, you know, so we're, we're um, in all of that, you know, trying to get people registered to vote, going to events, but roughly 400,000 people. I can, I have to go back and double check, but I think that's the number, but not all of them are going to vote. <laughs> not yeah. All. Not even though yeah. that amount is voting. Yeah. So, and then diving. Oh, go ahead, Phil. Nope. You go ahead. You were, you were in the middle of thought. I don't want to cut you off. Uh, so I guess diving more into like the race itself, because I think, you know, people are going to, I do believe a red wave can happen in California. People are serious about it, right? Um, that being said, um, your seat's a great opportunity because you would have the chance to unseat an incumbent Democrat. And, you know, I we obviously we support you. We think you can do it, but it is going to be, you know, it's a challenge because, you know, regardless of what people say, like he's heavily funded, things of that nature, mm -hmm. like with the strategy that you had in 2020 and then with the blueprint and then you really, you know, hammering the ground with your strategy, I guess, what are like some elements that you have found where you think like Ami Bear is vulnerable? Like you mentioned, like he chose the party line, so he's not willing. So he'll always vote Democrat no matter what, not willing to like, you know, even if like the district needs this and that, he's always going to vote the party line. Yeah. I guess what are like some things that you think it might be surprising where you feel like, oh, there's an opportunity where we can beat him? Well, here's the thing. One of the biggest things is that he's not an incumbent. This is an open seat. 60% mm -hmm. of the district has never voted for Ami Berra. So there are all these people that don't even know who he is, you know, and with 
getting on the with being on the ballot um this primary election you know the primaries being like the first uh, that some democrats have seen my name um and now with you know the months that have gone the months that are going by right now where we're not getting any relief in this state and across this country um where we're vulnerable is that what has he done and are have had and have our lives gotten any better since he's been in congress and currently how is he handling the situation um you know, when it comes to inflation, when it comes to gas prices, what are the solutions? You know, this trickle down economics is not working. You know, it's not working. And so it's it's literally me saying your life has not gotten any better. Give me two years. You've seen what's happened in the past two years that we've had him as a representative just in part of the district. And your life is not any better. You know, it's gotten progressively worse. And this whole thing about um and he's trying to message to Republicans here in, in the district and it's not happening. I've seen some of the social media comments. It's actually pretty funny. Um, because again, he's trying to fashion himself as a moderate, but he's having he has not had a candidate like me that works the ground like I am. And when you collectively put together all of the votes that I receive plus the other Republicans, because we are uh, and I've been uh, endorsed by uh you know, the other Republican that was second to me. Um, when you put all of our votes together, we're only 14,000 votes behind Ami Barrow. That's it. 14, roughly 14,000 votes. And so that means that not only is it winnable, but we can really, really, really take this and show America that California is not lost. Kings fan commented again, my old man. Hey, let me pull this up. My old man worked with Ami Barrett before he ran for Congress. Never had a whole lot of nice things to say about him. <laughs> LOL. Um, question I was going to ask now, you know, we're, we're coming towards the end. I don't want to keep you. Uh, I know you're very busy. You said you had that stack of papers that you're probably going to get right back to. As soon I'm, not as calling we get up. I'm not calling anybody else. Hold on. What time is it? It's like nine o'clock. I'm not calling anybody else. Oh, well, I, you know, I don't want to assume that you're not, you don't have, have more. I'm sure you have more stuff to do. Um, but I'm, let's I'm, say all of my babies are in bed right now. <laughs> let's say looking forward, when you get to DC, what are your like top three priorities that Tamika wants to start or get accomplished in your first term as a Congresswoman? Oh gosh. Well, you know, like I said earlier, it's the it's the kitchen table issues that everyone's talking about. I'm literally living every single thing that is a hot topic right now. You know, my husband's a police officer, the soaring crime is an issue. You know, we need community policing. We need to find a way for us to come back together so that we can um have a better relationship with police officers in in the local community and even how it's even addressed on a, on a, on a from the media's level, uh the legacy media's level. And um, so that's crime is a huge topic for me, obviously the economy um, and school choice. And one of the things that I wanna to add to the conversation is that you know here in district six, uh, there are so many children that um, will not be able to go to um, the school of their choice and will be stuck in, in, in public school. And so I want people to also think about how we need to reform public school. You know, I, I um, like my children are going to school of their choice, but not every child's going to have that option. And so I want to make sure that we are doing everything that we can to help those kids that have to stay in public schools. You know, I was raised by a mom. Um, well, I was raised by my grandparents, but my mom, you know, I still knew her. So she's still in my life. But even though we live with my grandmother, um, you could give my mother a million dollars and we would have we would never go to a better school, have better clothes 
that's just the reality for some families. And so that's why I want to make sure that not only are we advocates for school choice, but making sure we protect those kids that are public school as well. So I just wanted to give some kind of context because, you know, there are people that, you know, just they only they only think about that one thing. But there's so many different um, situations happening with children and we just and we have to protect them. Those are pretty good, pretty good goals. I think those are things that everyone really can rally around in, in terms of kitchen table politics and what yeah. what really is important. That's probably the best way to start reaching across the aisle, especially here in California, is to stop fighting over this extreme or that extreme in the culture war and just just talk about kitchen table politics and make things yeah. work here. Because I feel like you know our politicians have just gotten so. I mean, they've just gotten so polarized and tribal in terms yeah. of uh, of just I have to vote for this and I have to vote for that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's OK when my side does it, but it's not OK when your side does it. It just becomes right. this big game of hypocrisy. Um, well, like I said, I know you're very busy. I know you work hard and you probably have a full day packed tomorrow if you're not planning anything else tonight. Um, why don't you let everybody know where they can go and support you? I'll put your website up for everyone so they can go check it out look at you i'm like so like i'm look i feel like this warms my heart i love you i love this show so guys you don't know like i phil and i met years ago like well yeah like when i first started and i mean this is amazing um so i need to just well, i should clarify we sort of met sort of it was when i when, when i was a little just a little podcaster with like a thousand ah. followers and you had posted something about this report back in the 90s. And we've talked about this before, about how the Republican Party needs to reach out to minorities. And if not, they're going to become a minority party themselves, which came to fruition. They didn't listen to the advice. And I remember I messaged you and you just sent me back an email very, very quick. Here it is attached. And that was it. And I don't know when we started actually talking more, but slowly but surely. I know. And I've just like been obsessed ever since. Yeah. And then guess, you know, here's the kicker. The gentleman that wrote that said and wrote that document ten, was it 10 over 10 years ago. Now he's on my team. Oh, so, excellent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's on my team. Literally everyone that's on my team is either uh, elected to school board or involved some way with city council or has have gotten other candidates uh, elected in this district. I mean, God just like set me up. Like I feel like 2020 was like my test. You know, eight counties, hundred thousand miles of my car, just crazy craziness. And not that it's not crazy now, but it's not eight counties. It's one. <laughs> and um, and my team knows the district inside and out. And so, again, this is an opportunity for Republicans to win. Uh, you know. I just want people to take away from this. If, if anything, it's like you can be who you are, stay you and, and just meet people where they are. You're not going to hunt you. We don't a hundred thousand percent agree with anyone, not even our own family members. Um, and there's so many Democrats here in California that think like us, especially here in Northern California. Um, and they're just looking for someone. They just, they're looking for a Republican that can represent them. And um, you'll be surprised. You know, again, 29% registered Republicans. I got 46% of the vote. There's people that think like us. They're just looking for us. And so mm-hmm. in, in order for it to help me, you can go to my website right there at the bottom. 
Um, I'm like, I, like, I feel like a proud mom or something. I need to calm down. You like, should, to- you should read it out loud because, um, you know, where you have the audio version of the, the podcast and on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, okay. So vote Tamika.org. You can spell my name. T-A-M-I-K-A. Vote Tamika.org. My team, we're really responsive. Sometimes I'm able to hop in and jump in and respond to the emails as well, but we're super responsive. We need your help, whether it be walking, making phone calls. Uh, going door to door that's how races are won and of course if you could donate twenty dollars until november each month it goes a long way it's all going into the ground to make sure that we're successful in november again this is a winnable seat when you put all the numbers together uh we're fourteen thousand votes behind ami that's it and the gap in so the election hasn't been certified because all the votes have not been counted but we're almost at 90 percent right now and so it's just the gap is getting smaller so he's not at 50 um, you know, he's not over 50%, like, you know, by some wide margin. Um, and then also note that when he ran against a Republican, Republican in um, 2018, they sent that Republican to D.C. because he got that. 20, it was 2016, right? Sheriff Scott Jones. Yes, yes. So 2016. Yes. They sent him to death. House, so yeah. he's not won an election by some wide margin. It's, it's never mm. been that way. But the difference here, and a lot of people say they've never seen someone run a campaign like mine. I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to blow smoke. I just have an amazing team and I just don't sleep. So vote to make it that ORG. I love you guys so much. Like I am like, I'm just like, so like, I just like, you guys better like come to DC with me. Like, this is so cute. I love it. Well, we'll, we'll come to DC and we'll do an interview in your new office. Yes, we I will. Yeah, and I we'll just and thank you so much for supporting me, Phil. You are a godsend. You're such a good man, Cynthia. You're you're doing amazing. I love seeing all the stuff that you're doing and how you just you know you started. I just remember like you just you start getting into politics and boom, like you're all over the place. And I just think that's amazing. <laughs> and I just and I hope that a lot of people are inspired by both of you because you you're really doing the work. You, you know, you're not you you did wait for somebody to to give anything to you. And I just I really admire that and um. And this is what grassroots looks like. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking today, I think Cynthia is more connected in politics than I am at this point. She just like blew right past me. So what? it's funny. She's, okay. She has more cell phones and num- emails and all that stuff. And she's like, yeah. oh, I know this person now. I met this person. I, was like, I, I had dinner with this person da, 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 and I went to an event with this person. I'm like, I'm, I'm just at home watching Stranger Things and posting <laughs> on social media. And I think I know a lot of stuff, but. I guess I'm not a, I'm not as in the know as Cynthia. So pretty soon Cynthia's gonna have her own show. She's just gonna leave this behind. Right, right. Like forget the fact that you have a law degree. You know, Cynthia's like, I could just call so and so and get things done, right? Yeah, it, it's not that she's like, Yeah, whatever. I I know I'm like above. this person. Cynthia's like I'm above us. She's like I'm above all of you. <laughs> exactly. We're just really honored, Cynthia, to have you on the show tonight with yes. us. That's really what yes. it is. Yes, thank you for gracing us with your presence and all of yeah. your questions. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, now she's I, she's blushing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, to everyone who's listening and everyone who's watching, thank you for tuning in. As always, um, if you can do anything, if you can support Tamika, this is a winnable race, and this is not—we're not blowing smoke like Tamika said. This is a winnable race, and more importantly, this is what I call a blueprint campaign. And Tamika is a blueprint candidate, meaning. She's going to write the blueprint and we should all be looking at that and going, this is how you flip districts in California. And this is how you win 
Um, so that's why I want to see her win and go. I always, when she calls me, I, I always pick up the phone and say, Hey, Congresswoman, because I know she's going to be there pretty soon. So to everyone tuning in, make sure you support her, check it out, do whatever you can. And uh, it, as I always say at the end of all these episodes, if you enjoy this, text one person, let them know. Um, maybe you know someone in Tamika's district, and you should be like, Hey, have you heard who's running in your district? Check her out, listen to this podcast. Um, so with that, thanks again, everybody for tuning in and we'll see you on the next one. Good night, everybody. for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it, and follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 